Romantic thoughts. They're so real. You can't even prevent them. I don't care how close you are to the Father in heaven. I don't care how much you walk in following Jesus Christ as Lord. This world, people, circumstances create automatic thoughts. Often destructive and unreasonable thoughts that will make situations worse than they really are. We all know about automatic thoughts. Think with me. What would happen in your mind if you heard people say a few times to you, you have a big head? Every time you look in the mirror, what are you going to look at? Or if you heard somebody say to you on a regular basis, you are stupid. Or if maybe you were in a very tender stage in your life and, 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 and you suggested, if you were here for the first video, we think that just happens to youth to get those kinds of labels. But it happens to all of us. What would go through your mind if somebody said to you, you never do anything right? Or if somebody said to you, you're a failure. You'll be a failure all your life. You see, we get thoughts. They're automatic. They come. There's a verse in the Bible that speaks to us in thinking about thoughts. Look on the screen. Proverbs 4.23 Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Now that's out of today's English version of the Bible. But that is so true. We have to be careful how we think because how we think takes hold of us. My family's never going to get better. My relationship's never going to... I'm never going to change. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, and look to that verse. Proverbs 4.23. Okay? Now, if you have those New Testaments, this is in the Old Testament. You won't find it. And if you don't have your Bibles, let's go to the next slide, the next screen. And there it is. But I want you to open your Bibles, if you got your Bibles, and look at Proverbs 4.23. Because I want to suggest to you that you circle this. And if you could circle it heavy, don't mess up the other verses so you can't read them. Or put a big arrow there. This is such an important statement. And the reason I want you to look at it in the New Living Translation, because look how it reads. Guard your heart above all else. In the today's English version, it says, be careful how you think. You see, the heart in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, means your decision-making process. Your willpower. That all comes out of here. The heart does not mean the blood-pumping chamber. Not in the Scriptures. The heart means that which makes decisions for you. You have to guard how you think. And it says there in the New Living Bible, for it determines the course of your life. The first verse I showed with you or shared with you out of the today's English version says, be careful how you think, for your life is shaped by your thoughts. See, the new living is saying, for it determines the course of your life. In other words, you're going to become what you think. Every one of us will. If you think somebody's bad, they're bad. And you will become, in your mind when you see them, they're bad. They're bad. Now, now I show you that, and also some of you grew up with the King James Version of the Bible, or the New International Version, and you say, I don't like those modern translations. Okay? 
the King James Bible and the New International indicate you've got to guard your heart. If you've got one of those open, you see that. Protect your heart. Protect your thought process. In the, New, or in the King James Bible, where it says there determines the course of your life, or where it says in the today's English version, because that's what I memorized then, because people understand that better, which is your life is shaped by your thoughts, the King James says this, it affects the issues of your life. In other words, you want to know what the major issues of your life are? They come out of this. If there are negative issues, they come out of this. If there are positive issues, they come out of this. If there are pessimistic issues, in other words, they look down, they come out of this. If they're optimistic, they look up, they come out of here. And if we read this out of the New International Version of the Bible, it says there at the end, determines the course of your life or shapes your life. It says it's the wellspring of life. Your heart, your mind, is where the water comes from. The refreshment or the stinky water Sulfur type water comes from that makes your life stinky. And you say, well, I don't know if it's ever going to change. Let me tell you, it never changed until it changes here. That's why God comes through Jesus Christ. He transforms us. Where? Here. Because it affects all of this. It affects all of this. But you know what I like to do sometimes? I like to believe, I like to believe that that's not true. I like to believe that my thoughts really can't control me. And so I can think whatever I want. I can permit any thought I want into my life. I will tell myself, you know what I'm really being when I think that way? Is I'm just being realistic because that person's like that, that situation's like that, that thing is like that. And so I'm just thinking realistically. Even though I know it doesn't affect me in a very good way. As a matter of fact, sometimes others will, will offer the same thoughts I'm thinking in conversation to me. And you know what I do? I justify. I justify my thoughts. Because if others are thinking it, it must be the way life is. You see, we move to that place. And the end result is, I am shaped by my thoughts. You know, Laura's never going to change. That's my wife. She's not here today. She's with her family. Text me. said, I'm praying for you this morning. Laura just doesn't know how to do things the way I like to be done in some areas. She's never going to change. You know what? I'll always look at the areas that my thoughts say. There's something wrong with her. You see, sometimes our thoughts become negative vibes in our life. And we don't like our life, the circumstances, and sadly sometimes the people that are involved. And what will happen with negative thoughts? Now listen to me. My outlook, my energy, my perspective, everything about me will move in the wrong direction with my wrong thoughts. Because thoughts are so powerful. God knew that. That's why He gives us verses like Proverbs 4.23. If you have your worship handout, I'd like you to look at the first blank. Look what I have written there and fill in that blank. The one who created me, God, warns me to be careful of thoughts. Be careful of thoughts 
that take me in the wrong direction. You know, when I was raising my children, my four children, I would warn them. You know, we have to be friends with all people. Be careful though. There's some people that will only influence you to take advantage of you or to get you to collaborate with them in wrong behavior. And you've got to recognize that. And I know often they come home from school, high school especially, and they tell us, they tell me the latest news in the community we lived in at that time. They talk about somebody hurt. I say, how do you know that's true? Well, they said this. How do they know? And I'm going to tell you, my four children have grown up and they have learned as adults to be careful of accepting the words people say, the thoughts people have about other people. You see, our thoughts are so powerful. So God warns us. He tells us to be careful of thoughts that will take us in the wrong direction. And you know, every child of God knows the wrong direction because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And He says, you know what? This is not where you belong. This is not where you're to be at. Well, folks, this is what has happened to me in August and September. And so I took a time of rest. You see, I heard in my mind, you are not a good leader. I heard in my mind, you can't be trusted. I had heard in my mind, you don't do things correctly. Nobody used those words with me. That's what I heard. I have evaluated in my time off. Those are just thoughts that had bombarded me. Bombarded me. And I allowed those thoughts to affect me. To affect me mentally, and my wife would testify, to affect me physically. And so... I took some time off. If, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis. Now, it's not in that, old, that New Testament, that thin New Testament. We're going to get back to that. We'll get back to Luke next week. Okay? But I just want to talk about this. It touches a little bit on me, but it touches all of us. Because of labels that are put on us. You're stupid. You're a failure. You can never do anything right. you got a big head. Now, I'm going to read from Genesis. I hope someday, you know, we give away these New Testaments. I hope someday we can put Bibles in place of the New Testaments. Maybe when we're done with Luke. So we can give Bibles to anybody who wants them. Paper Bibles wouldn't cost that much. Being a New Living Translation. But it would cost us 1000 to $2,000 to put a hundred of them out there. Maybe, maybe you received a bonus. And out of your bonus, you want to Make those Bibles available. Or maybe you just can because God just seems to bring blessing into your life financially. Please, don't take it out of your offering given to the church or out of the, the vision offering for taking care of the expensive paying for this building. Uh, I believe last week I received, I get every week information about our giving. I think we had $31 in the bank for our, our, what we, our budget requires us to, to spend money for. And so don't take your money out of there. Let it be beyond that. But if somebody wants to do that, that would be a great blessing to people to have a Bible. Because someday, I think someday, we will be finished with Luke. Okay? So, Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 32. Chapter 32. But before we look at that, would you bow with me for prayer? Father, thank You for the privilege of standing in the presence of these people.
Thank you for the privilege you give me to share from my life's experience and from my study and from what other mentors have put into my life. Thank you for the vision of connection. Thank you for the testimony that that vision was a good vision. Look at the people this morning. Oh God, thank you for lives that have been changed. And Father, we thank you for lives that will be changed in the future and people that will come in the future. And God, I would pray with these people that you'd raise up here in Jefferson County and counties coming around Jefferson. Other churches like Connection. Churches we don't compete with, but churches we join with. Churches that are wanting to reach the people, the culture, and not just do what they've always done. And Father, today, help me to communicate. Help me to communicate that labels do not have to hold us down and keep us from our potential. And wrong thoughts do not have to keep us in the wrong places. Father, speak to us as we move towards Your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I want to introduce to you a man by the name of Jacob. Some of you, you know of Jacob. Abraham, father of faith, God began working. Someday we'll look at the book of Genesis, maybe like Luke, and spend four years on it, okay? But uh, we'll look at it. Abraham, the first man, had a son Isaac. Isaac had a son, two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau's the oldest, Jacob was the youngest, okay? Jacob's story is told in the book of Genesis from chapter 25 through chapter 49. You can read that some other time. Jacob is the grandson of the man who was faithful to God. He's the son of the man who is quoted in the Scriptures, Isaac, who believed God. And Jacob, in chapter 25, we're told that Jacob had a twin brother, Esau. He was older because he was firstborn, but he was his twin. Esau... The name Esau, and, and if you've got your Bible open and you see the name Esau, because it'll be in the Scripture we're going to look at, it may tell you what Esau means. Esau just meant hairy. In other words, Esau apparently had a lot of what I don't have on top of my head, a lot of. Okay? Apparently it was a hairy guy. And if you read about Jacob, you'll see that that's how his father... Isaac sort of identified Esau from Jacob because he would touch him and he said, man, you're like a bear, you're like an animal. you got so much hair. Now, Jacob, Jacob meant supplant. Now, guys, when's the last time you used that word? What Jacob meant was trickster or deceiver. A person who schemes. They scheme through their words and their actions to get what they want. So Jacob was a deceiver. If you read about Jacob, or if you know him well, you would know he was a deceiver. He was a trickster. Not pulling joke tricks, but scheming to get what he wanted. Everyone who knew him well would say, oh, there's Jacob, the deceiver. Everyone, if you read his story... People who didn't know him would know, but everyone who knew him well would know from his words and his actions he's a deceiver. You see, Jacob was given this label when he was born. Isaac, Isaac had no way of knowing 
That what he would name his son would become the label of his son. That's why be careful of calling your son Shorty. Or calling your daughter Pudge. To you, that's a cute little name, Shorty and Pudge. Isaac had no way to know that his label on Jacob, a deceiver, would end up becoming him. And many of us have no idea those little labels we put on children that they grow up with. And it holds on to him. Jacob became his label. In chapter 25, Jacob tricked his older brother Esau, his twin brother, but he's considered the older in the family because he's born first. Jacob tricked him into giving him the family birthright. In chapter 27 of Genesis, we see that Jacob deceived his father to pronounce the family blessing on him. And that blessing belonged to the oldest son. But Jacob deceived his father. Jacob's label is what he thought about himself, and Jacob's label is what he became. And if you've ever had a label, and I'm going to say all of us have been tagged with a label, it tends to be brought up. And God doesn't bring it up because God has said through Christ He changes our label, but it's brought up by the devil because the devil wants us to become what our label says. And so often, those labels that are negative pull us down. And God wants us to remember the label He gives to us. His sons, His daughters in Christ. Jacob's label was what he thought, and so he became his label. As I said, all of us have experienced it. Somebody says to you, you know, you're always too slow in math. So what do you tell people? I'm not very good at math. Somebody says to you, you're, you're a failure. So what do you think? I, I can't help. I, I, I'm not a person who succeeds at projects. Someone says you're ADD. I hate those labels. My children grew up. I said, don't you ever refer to any of your friends that. And if their parents do, don't you hold on to what their parents say. Because you see adults become ADD. I'm telling you folks, I'm the baby of 14 born kids to Alma and Paul Davis. And I went to elementary school and I noticed they would send me in the middle of the day to a room because I didn't read very good. And the city contacted my mother. I hated it whenever I was in fifth grade. and said, we'll pay for Mike to go to summer school. Because he needs a little bit more encouragement in education. Because I'm, I'm the captain of my baseball team. I'm the, I'm the shortstop. And you know what summer school does to a summer ball? Because we play during the day. And they do summer school during the day. Just here's, I hated it. And I probably would have had one of these labels. You see, when somebody puts a label on us, and we all have it, most of us begin thinking that label. And whenever things get hard on us, we, we, we say we are that label, and we tend to become that label. And some of those labels are spoken to us inadvertently. Like I said, Isaac never had, could have had no idea when he said, you are Jacob the supplanter, the one who schemes. Jacob would become this deceiver. And you call your son Shorty. You have no idea that all his life, he feels a little bit shorter than other people. Matter of fact, when he gets around somebody who's much taller than him, he starts thinking, man, I'm short. You sometimes 
The labels come inadvertently. But you know what I've learned? Most of the times, most of the times, labels are spoken deliberately. And can you believe we put deliberate labels on people? Some are positive, but most are negative. And that's what happened to me. I could not shake the thought that had come into my mind about leadership. You see, I'm often labeled as outgoing, energetic. I'm often labeled as a person who, who is well-organized, detailed. Those aren't bad labels. Unless somebody who says that says it in a condescending way. And then I apologize for organization. This morning I uh, had to move my dresser because I had to get something that fell beside it. And whenever I just moved a little bit, because if you saw the top of it, it's so crowded. Organized crowd. <laughs> Something started to fall off the back and go, no, I never get that one out. You see, people have given me labels. Often they're compliments. But sometimes maybe somebody says it in a negative way. Because maybe somebody told them they're the opposite of that label, so they're striking out. Not meaning to. Look at your Second blank on your message map. The wrong kinds of thoughts will cause difficulty. Listen, labels and the wrong kinds of thoughts will cause difficulty. Look what I wrote down there. See, I just took this out of my experience. In concentration, in confidence, in patience, and security. The wrong kinds of thoughts will cause difficulty. In concentration, confidence, patience, and security, eventually affecting the person physically. Never underestimate the power of wrong thoughts. Never underestimate the power of even entertaining what Satan puts in your mind that you know takes you to a place that is not a good place to be. The thoughts we hold on to will shape our behavior. Just like that Proverbs 4.23 that now I hope you've marked in your Bible that every so often, and I would recommend you read a proverb every day, but every so often you read and you realize, I've got to evaluate my thoughts. The behavior of wrong thoughts tend to pull us away from where God wants us. The power of wrong thoughts tend to pull us away from where God wants us to be. That's what happened to Jacob. Jacob's wrong thoughts that they call me deceiver, trickster, schemer, that he became deceiver, trickster, and schemer, that it took his life to a place. Where folks, if you read the Bible, when he finally deceived his dad, he never saw his mother again. As a matter of fact, if you read his story, when he left home because his label caught up with him, because he lived his label. That's why we got to evaluate. He lived the wrong thoughts that came. He then began associating, now listen to me, with people who were deceivers. You can read his story. And they even deceived him. 
You see, if I let my wrong thoughts, my labels control me, I end up going to people who also wear labels like that and who do those wrong thoughts, who have those wrong thoughts. And pretty soon, my best buds are the people with the labels and the people with the wrong thoughts. Matter of fact, if you read his story, his life was full of strife. And his inner life became full of strife. And that's where we're going to pick up Jacob's story. What's going on inside of him? The fear of the future because of his label which turned into the wrong thoughts. And if you know you have a fear of any of your future, in any of your actions, evaluate whether a label or a wrong thought has got a hold of you. You see, Jacob knew that in the morning his brother was coming to kill him. Jacob knew that he may not have a future. Literally. So what did he do? He turned to God. So look there in the 32nd chapter. I'm going to start reading at verse 9. And I'm going to pass some verses up. I'll explain, but I'm going to explain. But look at verse 9. And if you don't have your Bible, look on the screen. But it says, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me. You see, he's got a great heritage. Now, I could talk about Abraham and I could talk about Isaac and some of their failures. Because you do failure doesn't mean you're a failure. And because sometimes you don't live up to what God wants you to live up to doesn't mean you're not a person of God. So he's praying to God of Abraham, his grandfather, and his father Isaac. Look what he says, Oh Lord, you told me. Now look, he says, You told me. Return to your own land and to your relatives and you promised me. I will treat you kindly. In other words, God says, Go home. And see, he's never been home for a number of years. He had nothing when he left home. He's got a lot of stuff now. Because God has blessed his life. And he says, you told me to go home. And you promised me I will treat you kindly. Verse 10, I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and the faithfulness you have shown me. Your servant, when I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owed nothing except a, a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Verse 11, oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he's coming to attack me. Along with my wives, my children, if you don't do it for me, do it for the ladies and the kids. You ever get the wrong thoughts and somebody defends themselves by saying, well, I'm just thinking about... And they mention somebody who they consider weaker. That's what he's doing to God. He says, "Twelve, but you promised me I will surely treat you kindly and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the stand, sands along the seashore. Too many countenance, you told me I'm going to have a future. You see, Jacob is saying, now listen to me, let me remind you, God, what the situation is like and what you need to do. I mean, Jacob's talking to the God of the universe. And he's saying, let me remind you. You must do something here. And you must do it the way I want it done. You see, Jacob's stuck in his situation. Anybody who gets into theology will tell you, at this point, all Jacob is doing is trying to scheme with God. This is not a cry out to God, except that God, you have caused this situation. You put me in the middle of this situation. So I'm going to remind you what you must do. 
He's trying to control God. He's trying to manipulate God. He's trying to get, listen to me, what Jacob wants and not what God wants. So often. That's what happens with wrong thoughts. Never does he say in this request, I will do what you want, God. He says, God, let me tell you what you ought to do. So, what does he do? What you and I do? He comes up with a plan. Jacob comes up with his plan. His plan. Look at verse 13. Jacob stayed where he was for the night, and then he selected these gifts from his possessions to present to his brother Esau. And verses 14 through 17 are a list of gifts. I don't want to take time to talk about that. He's going to send them on waves. He's going to send the first wave with some gifts, and they'll meet Esau. And you're going to hear what he wants them to tell Esau. And then he's going to send the second wave, and they'll meet Esau. And they're supposed to say the same thing. And then he'll send the third wave, okay, with all these gifts for Esau. You see, what he's trying to do is he's scheming. He's trying to deceive Esau by saying, oh, I'm not as bad as I was because look what I'm giving you. Look what I'm giving you. Verse 18, look, he is coming... Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 18, you must reply. They belong to your servant Jacob, but they are, they are a gift for his master Esau. Look, he is coming right behind us. Jacob gave the same instructions to the second and third herdsmen, that's the second and third wave, and to all who followed behind the herds. You must say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, now look, Jacob's plan. Your servant Jacob is right behind us. In other words, he's creating this parade to impress Esau. That's what he's doing. Because he wants to scheme to get Esau not to want to kill him. Okay? Verse 20, Jacob thought, I will try to appease him, that's Esau, by sending gifts ahead of me. And when I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. You see, he's still working out of his label of deceiver. Schemer, trickster. He's still working out of his label that had been attached to him for all his life. You and I got to be careful of doing that. Because some of us know that takes us to places we don't want to be. And that's a very scary place to be. And he thinks if I give him something, if I can just sort of deceive him through this action, it'll be good for me. 21, so the gifts were sent on ahead while Jacob himself spent the night in the camp. Okay? Now, it's quite possible that you can identify with Jacob. You see, I can. Matter of fact, this passage is the passage God used in the first three weeks that I was gone. You see, you can identify this because you're in your situation. Your wrong thoughts are controlling you. You don't like it. You know it's not where you should be. It, 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 it stinks. But you keep listening to your thoughts. And maybe others who give you those same thoughts. It could be in your marriage. It could be at work. I mean, everybody at work says that superintendent is a terrible guy. And there's no way. There's no way you're going to forgive your superintendent and love him and be loving toward him and find out, you know what? All he is is a guy that's got a, a wife or a child that has a physical problem. His wife might have a cancer. But see, you're with people who say the same things that you think. We can identify with Jacob. And you know your wrong thoughts are pulling you away. As much as you try, you just can't shake them. As much as you try, you just can't leave them alone. They are controlling your life. And you are wondering, will you ever be able to experience 
the goodness of what God has for you. Matter of fact, you almost feel like somebody's tattooed to you your label or your wrong thoughts. And it's never going to change. As much as you hope in relationship to your mate, it'll change. You, you, you're almost ready to just say, well, just for the sake of at least being able to live with somebody, I'll keep thinking those wrong thoughts from time to time. Worse yet, you're tempted to believe that you can never, ever find the fulfillment and contentment God intended for any human being He ever created. You accept less than what God offers. That's where Jacob is. Look at the next blank in your message, ma'am. Or in your worship handout. We serve a God who is bigger than any label or wrong thoughts that we might have. You see, there is hope for you. There is. Back to Genesis 32. Verse 24. That's where we left off. We just finished 23. Now look, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. See, he sent everybody... Listen, he has told everybody, you get out there and earn your pay. Go on, you little runt. Get out there. He'll feel sorry for me. You're my grandson. And he's all alone. I'm going to tell you something. If you hang out with your label and it's got you in the wrong place where you shouldn't be, or your wrong thoughts, and it's got you in a place where you shouldn't be, it doesn't make any difference how intimate your mate is or how close your family members are. You find yourself alone with your thoughts and with God. You can try to occupy the times, but you drive them down the road and it comes. You lay your head down on your pillow, it comes. All of a sudden, you take a break, and it comes. Again, 24, this left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And folks, I'm going to tell you, this man is God. Now, nowhere does it say it's God in here, okay? And theologians will, will argue this, but Hosea, the 12th chapter, often the Bible interprets, us, interprets itself for us, tells us that Jacob was wrestling with the angel of God he was wrestling basically with God Himself. This, this man wrestling with Jacob is God in the form of a man. Jacob doesn't know his name. He has no name in Jacob's eyes yet. And yet he comes. And Jacob will have to wrestle with God, listen, in the desperate time of his life. I don't think I've ever been where I was five weeks ago. I tried to evaluate. You see, when your labels or your wrong thoughts take you to the place where you know you don't like it there, that's your desperation. You can try to cover it up. You can try to crowd it out of your life. But it keeps coming back. And believe me, Satan will keep trying to bring it back. And that's when you must wrestle with God. You see, the interesting thing about this is Jacob doesn't even know this is God. And often, when God seeks to come to us, because He always comes to people who are His, and wrestle with us, we either think it's some person or some other situation, and we don't see it as God. We just don't identify. God's saying, we've got to wrestle. We've got to wrestle. That's what we've got to do. My oldest son, 
second child. I always wanted my first child to be a son, and the first child was a girl. And I'm so glad Misty was born. Some of you heard this. Because see, all I was was manly. Poor Laura, for two years until we had a child, she had to put up with this, man. That's how my father was. That's how my brothers were. Just drag the lady alone. She's convenient. And then I had a girl. And some of the pictures Laura has, Misty, even though she's a little baby, taught me to be tender and compassionate. And as I've said before, made me realize how special the child is. Especially the female. That's why, ladies, I tell you again and again, let us guys carry that for you. You carry our kids for us. But I had a son who always was athletic. The oldest one was just, and he was good. And I remember we'd run, or he'd boast, and I'd say, ah, you just think you're so great. You can't get away from your dad. And he'd zoom away from the table. Often it was during some kind of good conversation. Out the front door, and I'd chase him, and I'd run him, and he'd run, and I'd run, 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 and he'd finally collapse, and I'd catch him. He could never get away. He could never get away. You see, his dad was always going to wrestle him to the ground. Look, your labels and your wrong thoughts come to you and they put you in a place you don't want to be. And God says we've got to wrestle. Look at 25. When the man saw that he would not win the match. Now, I want you to stop you for a minute. Because, you, you know, you can text me questions. Don't somebody say, well, why couldn't God win? If God won to win, if this is a matter of muscles... God's little finger to flip Jacob. See, this isn't a matter of muscle wrestling. It was a matter of what's going on inside Jacob. What's controlling Jacob, which was his wrong thoughts that came out of his label. If God wanted to win this, this wrestling match in regards to strength, He could have just lowered Jacob and had no problem. You see, where God couldn't win is that Jacob was not going to let... Now listen to me. Jacob was not going to let God have his way. He knew he was in a wrestling match. Jacob was not going to let this man, God, have his way. Are you like that? How long does it take you to commit to your marriage and let God have his way with you? He'll change your mate. How long are you going to let God have his way in regards to your relationship with connection? But there's things I don't like. Well, he'll change what needs to be changed. Well, you let him have his way with you. See, Jacob, this wrestling match is about a matter of choice. Will I choose where my wrong thoughts have taken me, my label? Or will I choose what God's wrestling with me about? And you see, God realizes Jacob's just not going to change. He's going to stay this way. So what does he do? 25. Look what it says he did. He touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Wow. Well, that's how powerful God is. And don't send me unless, uh, uh, a question. Say, Why does he cause so much pain for Jacob? What God is doing. Jacob felt the pain that God allowed in his life because God wanted to use the pain to get Jacob to make the right choice. And I'm sorry sometimes that something happens in your life and you say, why did God allow that? 
Because you see, God is wrestling with you at that time and He's trying to get you at the place that you quit believing. You stop believing you're shorty or you're pudge. You stop believing you're ADD or you're stupid. You stop believing you're a failure. You can never succeed. You stop believing those labels that have come out of your childhood or come from people around you and those wrong thoughts has taken you. And you're saying, you pray to God, God, take away the pain. And God has the pain because He wants you to realize you're in a wrestling match and God is trying to lead you to the right way. But you are striving. You are fighting with God, refusing to make the choice that God wants. You see, Jacob has this pain because God wants Jacob to listen to this man. Him, God. And I'm going to tell you, God just wanted me to listen to him. That's all God wanted to do. He wanted me to listen to Him and not my thoughts. And that's what He wants for you. Now look, He goes on, 26. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. You see, God's going to leave Jacob. He's going to leave Jacob in the situation that Jacob refused to move out of. The pain of that situation. And many of us know that feeling. For how often have you said, where are you, God? Why is this occurring? You see, because what you labeled yourself with your wrong thoughts and your strengths and and, and your efforts and your wisdom had left God out. Oh, you're a Christian. You come to church. But God is not in charge. And you know the pain. And it's dawning. And it's time to stop this wrestling match. Jacob's not going to change. But look what the Scripture says in 26. But Jacob said, there's a, there's a turning in Jacob. Ooh! Ooh! I mean, I can, I can be a deceiver and not like being alone, but ooh, the pain! It's not always just physical pain to a bone. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. A change has taken place in Jacob. You know what he realizes? Even though, look, God tells us, he realizes he's not going to win. Doesn't mean he can't beat Jacob physically. And he shows his power, he inflicts his pain on Jacob. Man, where'd that come from? Jacob comes to the place that he realizes, you know what this is all about? My choice. My choice. And this man, there's something about him. Because he's God, see? I don't think Jacob even knew that. But Jacob knew within the power of this man that this man had the power to bring blessing into his life. And so he says, I'm going to hold on to you. Here's, here's the choice. I can either let you go or I can hold on to you. And I don't like this wrestling match and it hurts, but I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on to you until you bless me. If you could have got into my prayers in those first three weeks. I mean, I was ready to come back October 6th. Not going to let go of you, God. The vision you've given me for what you've brought me to. 
You see, Jacob is through resisting God. Are you? Jacob is through wrestling against God. And he's ready to say, okay, God, I'm ready for whatever you want. So you bring your blessing into my life. I'm going to hold on to you until I get it. Now look, it goes on. 27, what does the man do? Poof! Gives him a blessing? No. That's, that's not how God works, folks. Not, I mean, I'm not saying there's some miraculous, but it all starts up here. Because you see, this is where your story comes from, your testimony to people. Okay? What is your name? The man asked. Come on, this is God. He knows his name. He's Jacob. The man shows up out of nowhere. You think he ended up, just pulled off the interstate and got some guy and wrestled with him? What is your name? He replied. <laughs> Deceiver. Trickster. Schemer to get what I want. My name's Jacob. When God wrestles with you, you can't sugarcoat it. You've got to say, God, I'm a man that don't have faith at this place. I'm a person that won't do what you want me to do at this place. You've got to tell God your label. You've got to tell God your wrong thoughts. You've got to come clean with God. Because you think you can just sort of keep it to yourself, but you can't. God, I- I'm doing the wrong thing. God, I'm making the wrong choices. God, I'm holding on to the wrong thing. See, Jacob had to acknowledge his problem before God. He is a deceiver. And God saw his willingness to stop resisting and be honest. I'm where you don't want me to be, God. Couldn't he have said, I'm exactly what the man of faith Isaac, my father, gave me? Couldn't he have come up with some excuse? No. He says, I've got a choice. I can, I can let you go. I'm tired of wrestling with you. Or I can hold on to you and I'm not going to stop. He said, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. And God looks at him and says, what's your name? And he says, I'm a man who holds on to the wrong kinds of labels and thoughts. I'm Jacob. Look what God does. See, God never holds us down. Look what He does. 28, from now on you will be called Israel. Israel means in the Hebrew, one who strives with God and overcomes their situation. Not overcome God, overcomes their situation. One who strives with God and overcomes. That's what Jacob was going to become. He's going to become a person that through God working in his life, he's going to overcome the situation that he's found himself in for many years, and that is as a deceiver and a trickster. He couldn't be with his family. He had to flee. And all he could do is hang out with the wrong kinds of people, and they would deceive him, and folks, he would deceive them. And God said, go home. And on the way home, God touches him, and God says, let's do something new in you. But God realizes he's not going to win, because this, this fella, this, this man... He's just going to hold on to the wrong label and the wrong thoughts. And somewhere in that, God inflicts that pain, and from that pain, Jacob says, I don't like this. I do not like where I am. I know it's dawning, but I'm not going to let go of you 
We've got to move on to the next day, but I'm not going to let go of you. I know Esau's out there, but I'm not going to let go of you. I know all my family and my servants are all waiting for me to show up, but I'm not going to let go of you. See, the dawn of the next day means life needs to move on. I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. And God says, okay, let's get honest then. Talk about yourself. Who are you? And when Jacob got honest, God says, I'm going to tell you, you're through resisting me. I'm going to make you one who overcomes. Your name will no longer be Jacob. Move away from your label. Move away from your wrong thoughts. That's hard to do, folks. Especially if you hang out with the wrong people. This was possible for Jacob any time through his life. It was always there. It's always there from God. But you see, for this day, it was new to Jacob. It was new. Verse 20 says, because you have fought with God and with men. Look, all he's trying to say there is when we fight with God, we end up fighting with people. You fight with your mate, you fight with your children, you fight with your parents. You're always fighting with others. You fight with God, you fight with others. But he ends it by saying, but you know, through all your struggle, this day you have won. You have won. The time's different for you now, Jacob. The deceiver is gone, the one who overcomes. And you're going to see what I do. You see, in the morning, Jacob is going to meet Esau. The Bible told us, if we would have read it in the 33rd chapter, that Esau came with 400 men, military men, because he's going to kill Jacob. Or that's the indication. And things are going to be different. And instead of Esau, when Jacob sees Esau, instead of Esau saying, get him! You know, sick him? The Bible says he embraced Esau. I mean, he embraced Jacob. Jacob and Esau embraced. They kissed. You catching what that's saying? Two people whose thought pattern divided them came back together. Kissing means blessing. Two men. The Bible says he forgave Jacob. The Bible says they both wept. They both wept. Will we recognize that we're wrestling with God? Will we recognize that in our labels and our wrong thoughts, God is encountering us because He wants to move us away from maybe what we've been living with for 25, 30 years. For some of you young people, maybe it's been for 10 or 15 years. Will we recognize God is wrestling with us right now, Sunday morning, October the 20th, you see, God is a faithful God and He doesn't stop coming to us and He doesn't stop seeking to wrestle with us. But I will tell you, God will let you have your choice. And your choice often brings you the pain. And you know the pain because you know where you find yourself. It's not contentment and it's not faithfulness, but it's all about self. Look at the next blank in the worship now. God wants to remove the labels and the wrong thoughts from our lives and replace them with new ones. But look at my last sentence. But we must yield to Him. That's what I had to do. I'm telling you, if you would have been with me, Laura saw it. She says, you're whistling and singing. I know you're ready. I said, I'm ready to go back and preach. 
She says, I know you are. You're whistling. You're singing. You see, I had to come to the place of the right thoughts. I had to say to God, I know I am a good leader. You've made me so. The years have proved that. I know that I can be trusted. You made me as a person. People have told me some things in confidence that no one else has ever heard. I know that I do seek to do things correctly because God... You have made me that way that I have sacrificed to do what You wanted me to do. See, I had to come to the place that I had to accept the truth from God. Not the falseness of my wrong thoughts. You see, God said you cannot lead others and connection as a wounded leader. And you know what? Listen, husband, dad, you're going to have trouble leading that marriage and that family as a wounded leader. I must recognize that before I can be a soldier for God, I must accept the label of truth that says I am through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what the Bible says. So I have two questions for you. Look on the screen. One, are you ready to stop making excuses and walking in defeat and doubt and discouragement? Because that's where you are, hard as you try. And two, are you willing to lay down the labels and wrong thoughts and let God give you new ones? God met Jacob and he wrestled with him. And Jacob stopped resisting and just accepted what God had. That's what's happened to me. In the first three weeks, God met me and I quit wrestling with him and accepted what he said. And God has given me a blessing. I am excited for connection. This is great. What is here? Matter of fact, I got so excited. Listen. I got so excited that that third week I began painting my house at the wrong time of the year. I would get up at 6 o'clock, get my painting utensils ready, and I know I would look when sunrise. The light would begin showing at 20 minutes till 7, and I'd paint from 20 till 7 to quarter till 8. And then I'd go in, take my shower, and go to work at 8.30. And I'd come home, I'd come home at 5, and I tell the Lord, I'm not going to eat. And by 5.15, I'm painting again until then it didn't get dark to about 7.15. And I'd go and take a shower and I'd eat. I was so, and I wasn't feeling beat down. I wasn't saying, what's going on? I was excited. So excited. And I am excited about connection and its future. Yesterday I was with Two church planners. One is struggling to keep his just around a hundred. The other that is in a thousand, twelve hundred. And we shared together. And I was able to share my excitement of what God is doing in me and through me and what I expect from God in the future. God gave me a renewed faith. God said your life is not in your thoughts. 
and the labels that might be placed on you. Your life is in my hands. Your life is secure if you don't resist me. You see, there's freedom. There is freedom in being able to admit the labels and the wrong thoughts that you've accepted to God. Be careful telling somebody it's not safe, those things. But there is freedom to admit your labels and wrong thoughts to God and say, God, I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And what He will do is He will take you, tell you to take actions that are diametrically in the opposite direction of that label and that wrong thought or thoughts. God wants to change you. He wants to change you. Not just what you do. Now listen to me. That's what happens. Somebody comes to church and says, okay, I'm ready to volunteer. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to do this. No, God wants to change you. Not in what you do. It's not about doing more, doing better, being more involved. It's about understanding what God says. It's about understanding what God wants. It's about allowing your identity in God to change you. Now listen to me. Listen to me. They're just getting ready for face down. Matter of fact, look at the last blank. Let's just go there because some of you are moving around. So look at the screen. The screen. Look at this. Such an important thing. When you allow, when you allow God to change the label over your life, it affects not only you, but every other relationship in your life. People will say, something's changed. Folks, if you're resisting God, it's still all the wrong places. God changes you, and He changes those relationships. For some, it means, listen, as followers of God, you've got to come to Him and you've got to say, God, I am sorry. I have just resisted what you wanted in my life. For some of us, it's been years as followers of God. And I am sorry. Please, God, forgive me. I'm going to be what your son or daughter in Christ is to be. For some who are not followers of Jesus Christ, listen, you need to turn to God and say, God, I've been living on my own. I've heard this Christian stuff. I've heard about Jesus down on the cross. But I've refused to become a follower of His. I've refused to trust His death for my sins. I've refused to accept that my past has been forgiven through what Jesus did, not what I do. And today you need to turn to Him and you say, God in heaven, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've let my sins control me. And today I ask your forgiveness. And I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. Be my Lord. And I will follow Him. Two choices. For the Christian, repent and be that child of God where God wants you to be. For the person who's not the follower of Jesus, it's to repent and receive Christ and begin following Him. Jesus told us there are two things that as a church we ought to do. One is baptism. There's a baptismal pool behind this. November 17th, you'll read it this week in the community email. Okay, and If you don't get the community email, take that connection card and write your name and your email address. 
or you'll read it in the worship handout next week. We're going to have a baptism November 17th. Jesus said to do that. I'll talk about why on that day. He said, But also He said we are to take the elements of the bread and the juice. Churches don't do that because churches institute that. Churches do that because Jesus said to His followers, you do this until I return. Why? Because you see, when you take the bread, you're saying before God, it represents that Jesus gave His body for me. This is why believers are only to take the elements. Oh, a non-believer might take it. They're not, lightning's not going to come out of heaven and destroy them. But they don't understand the meaning. So we invite people who are believers to take the bread. And when you dip it in the juice, and so you have the bread and the juice, that's how we take it, and you eat it, you're declaring before everybody who sees you in line, everybody who sees you take it, not that your life is free of, of problems and bad feelings. Come on. Scripture doesn't even talk about that in regards to the elements. You're declaring Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave His body and His blood for me, and I'm not ashamed of that. And you take it in. We don't do this on a regular basis, but through 2013, God led me to schedule it every month. We don't often do it every month. To call attention to this. And today we're going to do that. Today I invite you to take the elements. I'd like for the people who are going to serve to come to their positions if they would. What they're going to be, there's going to be somebody, one couple in the back, two people, two different groups up here, and you can go to any one of those. And when you come, when you're ready, you come, and we invite you, if you are a child of God, follower of Jesus, to take the elements. We call it face down because it's, it's an attitude of humbleness before God. Because you see, you may not feel like today you deserve to recognize what God has done for you. Because you were bad last night. Humble yourself. Remember again what Jesus did for you. But you come and you just pull off a piece of bread, stick it in the juice, eat it here or take it back to your seat, and remember how much God has loved you that He stepped out of heaven and died on a cross that you might know you are His child. You come when you're ready.
the body. This is the blood. Golden and broken. Thank you, Lord. you beings for doing this way to lead that singing Well, that's just great. I don't, you know, some of you know people and some of you are getting to know people, but because a granddaughter came long distance and spent this weekend, granddaughter got to take here at Connection the elements with a mother and a grandmother. I think that's great. I, I could tell you my pilgrimage for moving from what is called closed communion to close communion to realizing the importance of inviting all believers to take it and one of those things that brought that change to really evaluate what the Scripture says was visiting my children a long way off and not being able to have that special time with them and to evaluate what would God want. So I, I found joy in that. Hey, are there any questions? No questions. Then let's bow together for prayer and then we're, gone. we're done. Father, I thank You for Jesus. I'm sorry, God. 
truly sorry that it was my sins that caused his death. But Father, I rejoice that it's in His death I am not my sins. Thank You. In Jesus' name, our Lord, we pray these thoughts. Amen.